0: Hi, guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Apologies for the delay on this podcast. Um, It's because we've been doing the 28 day Writing Task 2 challenge on YouTube and in the private Facebook group. So that's completely free. It's the last week this week, but do come and join us and you can find all of the tasks in there and all of the videos will still be on YouTube. You'll get um, a daily task, all the materials you need, all the links and all the live practice in the challenge. And when it's over, I'll put all of those together in one place so they're easy for you to find. Um, Today is Wednesday and we're doing uh, word formation. So there's a, a download for you on my website, a free word formation exercise book. And I'm going live again, five live at five every day to um, give you a, a lesson. The lessons are really interactive so that you can take part and practice what you're learning. So that's taken up quite a lot of time and I do apologize. I think I'm about three weeks behind on the podcast. Um, But today I had a special request from one of my um, Members Academy. Um, Hi, Elango. If you're listening, this one is for you. Um, We have mock tests in the Members Academy and this one proved to be particularly difficult. It's a listening. It's part four. And I'm focusing today on section three. I don't normally do section three. Um, I don't know why. It's because it's a dialogue, I guess. So it's quite difficult. There are two people always. In this case, there's Stephanie and Trevor. Trevor. And because they're having a conversation, that's just, uh, I don't know, a bit more difficult to um, re-enact, I guess. Whereas part four is always a monologue. It's like a lecture, so it's easier to read. But there's no reason why I can't do part three. And in fact, I have done a few of them. If you go to my website, um, I've done an article about signals and these are really important in section three, I think, because the, the, the speakers give themselves signals, like the questions that they ask, or they might say, oh, tell me a little bit more about that. And they tell you where the questions are. So that's what we're going to do today. And the listening is divided into two different question types. The first one is multiple choice. And the second one is matching uh, comments with the stories that they're talking about. Um, so they're two quite difficult question types. the The question types, the the multiple choice is always a choice of three, unlike the reading, where there's a multiple choice, and there are always four choices. In the listening, there are only three. That gives you less to read as you're trying to listen at the same time. But the difficulty is that the two distractors are are often mentioned, whereas in the reading you get two completely wrong answers. So they're not really tricks, but then you get two very similar. What you get in the listening part, um, multiple choice part, is three things that are mentioned in some way and you have to distinguish between the the tricks and the correct answer, of course. So let's get started. This is all about Trevor and Stephanie talking about the course that Trevor is doing about literature for children and Stephanie wants to know something more about this course So remember, section three is usually two students or a student and a lecturer talking about something academic. So Stephanie says, I'm thinking of doing it next year, but I'd like to find out more about it first. So this is the background. And Trevor says, OK, well, as you probably know, it's a one year course. It's divided into six modules and you have to take all of them. Now, the first multiple-choice question is this. What does Trevor find interesting about the purpose of children's literature? So, you know the answer will be Trevor, not Stephanie. You're looking for something that he finds interesting, but specifically about the purpose, the aim of children's literature. The three choices are this. A, the fact that authors may not realise what values they're teaching. They don't realise what they're teaching children through their stories. B, the fact that literature can be entertaining and educational at the same time. And C, the fact that adults expect children to imitate characters in literature. So. All three of those will be mentioned in some way, but we we're, we we're We must focus specifically on what does he find interesting about the purpose. So he talks about the courses and he says, one of the most interesting ones for me was about the purpose of children's literature. So that's your signal. He tells you he's going to talk about the purpose. Stephanie says... You mean whether it should just entertain children or should be educational as well. So that's your trick. That's where she says, well, she poses the question if literature can be entertaining and educational at the same time. She says that. And he says, right, he just agrees and Whether the teaching should be factual, giving them information about the world, or ethical, teaching them values. What's fascinating is... Now, this is your signal. This ticks all the boxes about signals that I mentioned in the article that I wrote. Its emphasis is... The way he says, what is fascinating is, and you wait for the answer. Fascinating, synonym for interesting. So, what does he say? What's fascinating is that the writer isn't necessarily conscious of the message they're conveying. They're not conscious of the message they're conveying. So, not conscious is a synonym for they may not realise, and the message they're conveying, the values they're teaching. So, 21, the answer is A. The the answer really came from those synonyms. Um, The signal is what's fascinating, and then he gives an example, and the example tells you really that that was the right answer because it was so right that he wants to explain it. Now, think how that connects to your writing task two. When I talk about writing task two, I always say you should make your point and then, then explain it. So, he's made his point. He says, the writer isn't conscious of the message they're conveying. For instance, a story might show a child who has a problem as a result of not doing what an adult has told them to do, implying that children should always obey adults. Well, that's just the example to illustrate his point, but it's not the trick answer the fact that adults expect children to imitate characters that's completely wrong it's not relevant here so that example that he gave gave a further illustration of this thing that the the writer is giving messages implying that children should always obey adults and this is what he finds interesting fascinating he says Okay, Um, Stephanie simply says, I see what you mean. So that tells us that question is over. So your eye and your pen should move to question 22. Trevor says the module about the purpose of children's literature made him... And what did it make him do? Three things. A... Analyze some of the stories that his niece reads. B, wonder how far popularity reflects good quality. C, decide to start writing some children's stories. So there's three things to choose from. Either he analyzes stories, he looks at his niece's stories. Either he questions, he wonders how far popularity, how popular a book is, does that reflect its quality, or C, he decides to do something, he decides to take action, to start writing. So if you're just listening for key words, think of those three actions. He's going to analyse, think about, or do something. He says, that module made me realise how important stories are. They can have a significant effect on children as they grow up. Actually, it inspired me to have a go at it myself, just for my own interest. Here is your answer. It inspired me. It made him... Have a go at it myself. Have a go is to do some writing himself. So, it is the reference word back to writing stories. And that is it. That is the answer. Um, Elango found this one tricky, I think, because of the vocabulary to have a go. Isn't that interesting? It's less common, it's quite idiomatic. But yes, have a go myself, is that he decided to start writing them himself. Um, The tricks come next. He says, I can't compete with really popular stories like the Harry Potter books. They're very good. And even young kids like my seven-year-old niece love reading them. So there's the mention of the popularity, the Harry Potter books, and the niece but they are not the correct answers. They are tricks. Um, Stephanie, again, ends the conversation or ends that question. She says, I'm very interested in illustrations in stories. In, illustrations being drawing. Is that covered in the course? And he says, yes, there's a module on pictures and how they are sometimes central to the story. So, this brings us to question 23. Stephanie is interested in the pictures module because A. She intends to become an illustrator. Intends means she wants to or she's going to. B. She can remember beautiful illustrations from her childhood. C. She believes illustrations are more important than words. So, whenever you've got a comparison more important than, it rings alarm bells for me because it reminds me of true, false, not given. They really do use comparisons to test your understanding. So, let's see what she says. She says, she's talking about pictures in books. That's good. I remember some frightening ones I saw as a child I can still see them vividly in my mind years later. So she said they're frightening, not beautiful. So it's not B. Pictures can be so powerful, just as powerful as words. So here's your comparison. She says they are just as powerful as words, meaning exactly the same. You see how they're kind of testing your grammar in a way, Um it's not more important than. It's just as important as equal. So that leaves us only with A. She intends to become an illustrator. And she says, I've always enjoyed drawing. So that's the field I want to go into when I finish the course. That's it. She intends. She plans. She wants to go into um, being an illustrator, the field of illustration. Um, Okay, the next question, 24, is tricky because this is one where you have to find what they agree on. Trevor and Stephanie agree that comics, so we're looking for something about comic books, are A, inferior to books. So inferior, again, you've got the comparison that they are not as good as books. B, they have the potential for being useful, means they, they could be useful. Or C, they discourage children from using their imagination. Now, in this kind of question where you have to find what they agree on, you, you might hear that they disagree on two of them, but only agree on one. So Trevor says, we studied comics in that module, but I'm not convinced of their value, not compared with books. So he's definitely saying that they are inferior, but she hasn't agreed yet. He says, one of the great things about words is that you use your imagination but with a comic, you don't have to. So again, he's, he's suggesting that comics discourage children from using their imagination. But she hasn't agreed yet. So Stephanie says, but children are so used to visual input on TV, video games, and so on. There are plenty of kids who wouldn't even try to read a book. So I think comics... Can serve a really useful purpose. So, this is B. She thinks that they have the potential for being useful. But remember, you have to find something that they both agree on. And he says, You mean it's better to read a comic than not to read at all? Yes, I suppose you're right. So, he agrees with her on her point that it's better that they read something than nothing. And so comics have the potential for being useful. And notice, this is an interesting line. She says, I think comics can serve a really useful purpose. We've talked a lot about how to express your opinion in the the Task 2 challenge and how important it is to hedge. Hedging is language where you don't make a statement as an opinion. You you make your opinion very cautiously. So she doesn't say comics serve a real purpose. She says, I think comics can serve a really useful purpose. And this more gentle tone is more academic because it's showing that she doesn't have the evidence so she's she's making a comment that's all and she's making that clear and the answer also has that hedging in it this is how again there's overlap between your writing practice and your reading and listening practice the answer says that Comics have the potential for being useful. It doesn't say they are useful. They have the potential. Okay. Um, Right, so the next question is 25. This is the last multiple choice. With regard to books aimed at only boys or only girls, Trevor was surprised. So we're looking for some language of surprise. And talking about books that are only for boys or only for girls. The three choices are about A, how long this difference, this distinction has gone unquestioned. So you're looking for time. B, how few books are aimed at both girls and boys. C, how many children enjoyed books intended for the opposite sex. So, what does he say? She says, what about books for girls and books for boys? Does the course go into that? Trevor says, yes, there's a module on it. For years, lots of stories, in English at least, assumed that boys went out and did adventurous things and girls stayed at home and played with dolls. So there is a time marker there. He says for years in the past. Lots of stories just assumed that boys went out to play and girls stayed at home and played with dolls. He doesn't mention anything about how long, people have not questioned that. He moves on and says, I was amazed. So this is the synonym. He was surprised. This is what you want. I was amazed how many books were targeted at just one sex or the other. So this is what amazes him, how many books were for just boys or just girls. Now, it's a very tricky one. Elango, if you're listening, um, because of the grammar. In B, we had how few books. Few is negative, remember? Few comes up a lot in reading and listening questions. So how few books means there weren't many. And then when you look at the answer, he says how many books were just for boys or just for girls, which means there are not many For both girls and boys. So that is our answer, and it's B. Um, Yes, tricky one. Elango, let me know and I'll I'll write that out for you. And if it's still not clear by listening, because it's difficult. (laughs) Okay, the final part was, yeah, really exceptionally difficult. I totally agree. They've got a list of five types of stories. Well, five. The first one is Perrault, I think, is a French. Perrault's fairy tales. 27 is The Swiss Family Robinson. I remember the name from my childhood, but I never read it. The Swiss Family Robinson. 28, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, those two together. 29, The Lord of the Rings, I guess everybody knows. And the last one, 30, War Horse, which is also quite famous, recent story. So you have to match those five books with the comments of Trevor and Stephanie. Here are the comments. A. They've been translated into many languages. B. They are hard to read. C. They inspired a work in a different area of art. D. They are more popular than the author's other works. E. The original title refers to another book. F. Started a new genre. And G, an unlikely topic. So, there are seven and you need five. So, two will not be used. Trevor says, Have you been reading lots of children's stories to help you decide whether to take the course? Stephanie says, Yes, I've gone as far back as the late 17th century, though I know there were earlier children's stories. Trevor, so does that mean you've read Perrault's fairy tales, Cinderella, The Sleeping Beauty, and so on? So this is our 26, Perrault's fairy tales. And Stephanie says, yes, they must be important because no stories of that type had been written before. These were the first All right, so that means that they actually started this type of story, the fairy tale genre, and that gives us F. They started a new genre, and of that type is a synonym for genre. 27, now get ready for this one. This is the really difficult one. So it's about the Swiss family Robinson. She says... Um, she introduces it. She says, then there's the Swiss family Robinson. Trevor says, I haven't read that. She says, the English name makes it sound as though Robinson is the family's surname. So you imagine that the family is called um, Robinson. But a more accurate translation would be the Swiss Robinsons because It's about a Swiss family who are shipwrecked, like Robinson Crusoe in the novel of a century earlier. So what it's trying to say is that the name is a little misleading. Their name wasn't Robinson, but because they were shipwrecked, they called them the Swiss Robinsons the Swiss version of Robinson Crusoe. So, that tells us that the original title, the Swiss Robinsons, refers to another book, which is Robinson Crusoe. And the answer is, therefore, E. Really hard. If you were doing that under pressure, I don't think I would get that one. She says, well, I never knew that. Well, Trevor says that, yes. Stephanie says, have you read Hoffman's The Nutcracker and the Mouse King? That's the next one, 28. He says, wasn't that the basis for Tchaikovsky's ballet The Nutcracker? Now, a little general knowledge here. The Nutcracker Ballet is quite famous in the UK because for some reason they always play the music at Christmas time. So really everybody knows the Nutcracker and they know it's Tchaikovsky usually and they know it's a ballet. So that one, I'm sorry to say, it seems to require a little background knowledge. Um, Well, it would really help you. 28, the answer is inspired a work in a different area of art. So, the actual book called The Nutcracker and the Mouse King inspired or was the basis for Tchaikovsky's ballet. Ballet itself is maybe a word that you don't pick up when you're listening because it's the French pronunciation. It has the T at the end in the spelling. Lots of my students say ballet. Um, it's a really common mistake. So if you, in your language, think it's pronounced ballet and then you suddenly hear ballet, then you're not going to get this question. The, the word ballet, I think, could completely confuse you. Okay, so ballet, as you know, is kind of dancing. Um, the next one, The Lord of the Rings, I guess you know that one from the films. Um, again, um, maybe your personal knowledge of it. Have you ever tried to read The Lord of the Rings? I, I have I've never got past the first page. So if you know that, you might be ready for the answer. Um He says, um, he talks about The Happy Prince. Another book is really moving. And then he says, I struggled with Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. Three long books and I gave up after one. So he struggled. When do you struggle? When it's difficult. Synonym for difficult is hard. The answer is B, it was hard to read. And finally, the last one, War Horse. It says, um, another one I've read is War Horse and Trevor says, oh yes, it's about the First World War, isn't it? Hardly what you would expect for a children's story. Hardly what you would expect for a children's story. So he's saying how Shocked he is that a children's story is all about the First World War. Again, the language there hardly what you would expect is really formal, quite old fashioned, um, and specifically just meanings meaning it is not what you would expect. So The answer is, it's an unlikely topic. The answer, therefore, is G, an unlikely topic. So, that is it. That is a very difficult section three. So, all I can say is don't worry if you struggled with it. I do think it's more difficult than usual.